Hi, this is Linford Morton, and welcome to a special episode of the Shutterbug Life Podcast. This is the podcast where we learn how to be better photographers. And uh, today I wanted to do something a little different. Rather than our typical episode, I just wanted to talk for a few minutes about five lessons I learned from New Orleans that will work anywhere. Now, I go to New Orleans and I take a, a small group of photographers with me. It had been once a year. Now we've, we've increased to twice a year just for a weekend-long workshop where we get to see just a wide range of things. It's a lot of fun. And on the show notes for this uh, podcast, there'll be, there's a video taken use, that I created using the images of all of our alums who attended. So that's a fun thing to see if you haven't seen it yet. But when I return from trips as an organizer, I, 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 I have a habit of continuing this thing I learned in the Army called an after-action report, or it's really an analysis, where you stop and go, okay, what went well here? Where could I improve? Um, what could I, what should I stop doing? And we sort of committed to writing and put it away so that the next time you begin planning, you can go back to that document and and you know it helps you improve the quality of of your of for me the services. So that's just something I do. But this year when I was doing it after we returned in March third or March fourth from this um, episode I, from this uh, last trip, I decided to do something a little different. And, and also, I, in, 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 in addition to all the other things I normally think about, I thought about what photography lessons did I learn or relearn on this trip that might be helpful or useful? And I came up with five of them. So here are five lessons. And if you like to do travel photography, and if you, even if you just do travel, if you shoot travel-ish things in your home, these might be helpful. Now, they might not all be brand new to you, but I think sometimes it's helpful even to re revisit concepts we might already know in theory, because in practice, it makes it much easier for us to, to call on them, okay? So here we go. Number one is when you think the shot is perfect, still try to simplify. And boy, this came back to me. We were on um, one rainy day on Bourbon Street, just shooting around at dusk. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm watching them shoot. And I, I, I was sort of poking around with my iPhone, taking pictures as well. And probably why it, it occurred to me on the iPhone, because you, without having the other tools like trying to do depth of field or or shutter speed or anything like that, well, you can with some apps, but it's still not the same as a camera. You're really, you're really forced to rely on composition more so than any other tools. And so this is where you start thinking about um, when you have a shot that looks like it's great, chances are you can still do more to simplify. And I think that's the, the really the difference between good to great on in a lot of photographs because we find we end up doing it if we're really you know thorough we end up doing it in post-production looking for more ways to simplify the image because the difference between good and great as i said in an image is usually the time we take to to do that 
So, you know, when you look at an image, you want to be clear about your your subject matter. What's what's this a picture of? You want to have everything else in the in the frame work to to either complement or support or lead your eye there. And anything that does not do that, you want to get rid of it. Which you know, okay, we all sort of get that in theory, but in practice, it it, it could become. You know, a little more challenging. And so when you're shooting, if you have the time, when you've lined up a shot that you think is, ah, oh, this is great, I'm going to shoot this one now. If you have the time, you might stop and go, can I simplify this anymore? And a lot of times it will become in just getting a little closer. Getting a little closer, of course, you know, the old saying, if, if, it's, if your shots aren't turning out good enough, you're not shooting close enough. I, I I don't remember how it actually goes. This is just my own um, interpretation of the way it went. But the point is, often you might think of, if you stop and force yourself to push, you might realize, I can get closer, or I really should get a different angle, or I really should get the camera out of eye level, or what, I wonder what it looks like from the other side. So simplify and think through, is there a better way of doing this? even when you think it's perfect, because it's usually in in that, uh, you know, I, I, I talked about this with our mentoring club last night in terms of the, the Pareto principle, the 80-20 rule, that means that when you set up a shot quickly, you're 80% of the way there. If you sort of follow the Pareto principle, 80-20 approach, and, but, the last 20% that will take that good picture to great will usually will take a lot more time. So if the first 80% takes 20%, then the last 20% takes 80% of the time, according to the Pareto principle. And I think there's a lot of the same kinds of things will work in photography, meaning when you get the shot and you think, okay, this is perfect, for the, for the, for the people who really do this well, that's the point where they start spending a whole lot of time trying to take it from good to great. I remember sitting in on a Joe McNally um, workshop, free workshop at the at, at the Nikon booth of Photo Plus Expo, and you know Joe, as part of his shtick, he will invite someone up and he will start taking, you know, going through one of his you know, portraits, and he and he he's like, okay, I've got ten minutes, and he'll start joking, and he start shooting, and he'll he'll shoot one or two. And one or two pictures he takes first are good enough, right? Many of us, if we shot that, we'd, you know, we'd post it and go on. But Joe, the master that he is, says, nah, it's not there yet. And then he spends the rest of the, the next, you know, however long he's working the shot, just, you know, tinkering. You know, what if we warm this up? What if we put a gel here? What if we put a light here? What if we... And by the time he's done with those small increments, the shot's just incredible. And the difference was when it was good enough, it wasn't good enough. And so this is why I say when you think the shot is perfect, it's still a good time to try and simplify or improve. Um, lesson number two is meet the people. 
I had a business development, one of our, on our, on our business, business development guys at the last place I worked, he always used to have this thing. You, you got to get out and see the people if you're, if you're trying to, you know, do business development or sales. Well, I think the same thing works in photography, not see the people. You've got to meet the people because that's where you get the best ideas, the best stories, the best suggestions for new locations to shoot. So we were strolling up St. Charles Avenue um, early that Sunday morning, and I saw a, a gentleman just sitting on the porch. I think he was like, you know, sipping some coffee, uh, talk, chatting with a friend, and just said a neighborly, friendly good morning, and you know, you know, beautiful day out, you know, the same kind of chit chat. And we started, you know, going back and forth. He asked what we were doing because a whole, you know, troop of photographers walking up the street was not a common sight. And from that exchange, we got the most amazing encounter. We learned that he was a writer for The Young and the Restless. And he was a writer for lots of TV shows, grew up on the set with parents who were also writers for some of the the 80s nighttime soap operas that we might remember from the 80s. We learned that he was a caretaker for this historic home with the rest of his family. They all took turns living there. He invited us in to see and photograph the home, which was just beautiful. And then he started telling us about all these other things he was into. He's a big basketball fan, and he does, he has this consulting business for, for people who want to do... Um, you know, fantasy basketball. He, he's a consultant for fantasy basketball players. And more than that, he said he's also a rapper with more albums than fans. And it's, you know, it's just really a fascinating character. And you don't find that without stopping. The year before, further down on St. Charles, we saw another beautiful home and we were sort of peeking through the windows <laughs> trying to take pictures. And a man opens the door and says, would you like to come in and see it? And you know, we're sort of half embarrassed, but we weren't going to turn that down. And we went in and found out it was a home for the Jesuit priests and uh, ministers and uh, beautiful home. So we get to go in and see this beautiful residence and, and um, you know, to learn more about some of the history there. All this good stuff happens when you just stop and meet the people. Um, the last example I, I remember was also on that trip. We were walking through the Treme neighborhood and we saw this, you know, the sign for this art would look really sort of unique. It was sort of a, a it was a wood quilt. And we were, as we were looking at it, the artist who happens to be the homeowner came out and said, you know, you guys like what, you know, you like the art. And then he proceeds to tell us about the history. His his house was destroyed when Hurricane Katrina came through, like so many people in New Orleans. And when he got back, he had all this you know, wood that had just piled up when he, you know, gutted the house and, you know, got rid of all of the damage. And he said he was going to have to pay a lot of money to have that wood removed. And he thought to himself, I can't afford to do that. So what can, what else can I do with this wood? And so he came up with this idea of creating art. And so he used the art and he used the wood, he treated it and made it a quilt. And then he went and sold it. And because of that, he made so much money doing this he was able to rebuild his house using the wood for it's just an amazing story you know guy you know from Haitian background and so we sat and he sat there and, and again again we got to take pictures of him and uh, his house and 
just amazing stories. And, and these kinds of things happen when you stop and meet the people. You learn so much. You hear these interesting stories, and they get to color and fuel your, your trip. And then the other thing you get is people say, hey, if they're local, they might say, hey, have you seen such and such? You know, Because they know the places that you might not see when you were doing the research. And then they give you some ideas and of places you can go. So meeting the people is where you find the best locations, ideas, and stories. The third one is weather adds character. So go play in the rain. Now, we had rain forecast for our trip for quite about a week or so before, but I didn't believe it would come. And one of our attendees kept saying, "Ah, oh, we have a lot of, it looks like a lot of rain is on the, and I, and I kept telling her, oh, don't worry about it. It always looks like that before we go. And we end up with a clear day because it does. It looks like it's going to rain and on every trip. We've got just beautiful weather. So I was thinking, ah, I wouldn't overreact to that. Well, I was wrong. And the sky opened and buckets came, you know, pouring out. And, you know, naturally she looks at me and goes, you want to revise your estimate about the weather? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I was wrong. But here's the thing. In all of that, what, what most people would think was miserable weather, we got really the most amazing pictures because weather adds character. We all know this. Weather adds character and mood to a, a setting or a place and images that that you just can't you can't beat. And so now you have, you know, storm clouds and skies. You have reflections from water. You have the reaction of people trying to cower from the rain. All these things going on that make for interesting, not just photographs, but interesting stories in your images. So when rain comes, don't run in so quickly. Stay out and so to see what's going on. Naturally, you have to protect the gear, keep it covered, or you know, stay under, over, you know, awnings and overhangs, and look for ways to keep your your camera dry. But if you can do that, boy, I tell you what, you have the best opportunities to get great images. All right, so weather adds character. So don't sing "Rain, Rain, Go Away" like we did as kids, but go play in the rain. Um, number four is find a couple of themes to work during your stay. And I think this, this is kind of a fun thing to do. Whenever In most cities, you start to see, if you look around, something that starts to repeat itself as part of the, what looks like the character of, of the city or location where you happen to be. And, it, and as you notice that, it's, you know, I would encourage you to say, you know what, I'm going to start a mini theme on this. So, you know, one of our attendees and uh, alums on this trip, for instance, noticed that, you know, there are beads everywhere in New Orleans. You know, once upon a time in New Orleans, you just got the beads during during um, Mardi Gras. But now they're everywhere. They're hanging from trees. They're hanging from light posts. They're hanging from everything. And maybe it's because we were, we, you know, we were there shortly after Mardi Gras that we saw so many beads hanging, but they're just everywhere. And so, you know, a couple of them made that a mini project. And everywhere we went, they 
try when they saw bees, they tried to do something creative with it. So it's it's a fun way to have a recurring theme going through um, to sort of guide your shooting. I started doing that a couple trips back with bicycles. I noticed there were a lot of bicycles in New Orleans, and particularly in the French Quarter. It almost felt like I was in Amsterdam. Just so many bicycles, you know, just parked everywhere. Not riding, but parked. I guess in Amsterdam, you see everyone riding. But in New Orleans, they were all, you know, tied up somewhere and parked. And they, they sort of, for me, they looked really um, interesting. They looked um they looked um, very, very, it's, it's a visual thing. So I started doing an, an ongoing theme on the bicycles in New Orleans. And um, so that was fun for me. And then one one of the quirkier ones, one of our members, so she did one on shoes, which, you know, was funny at times when she saw people with interesting shoes, she'd take pictures of their shoes. But when she displayed it, she used it with, it's so fun, um, it, they, it was, if you're in the French Quarter, you might hear someone say, I bet I can tell you where you got your shoes at. And this is one of the oldest hustles in New Orleans. So this goes back to back when I was in college, I would hear, you know, guys running this this hustle on the street in the French quarters. They, you know, catch an unsuspecting tourist and say, I bet you I can tell you where your shoes at, where you got your shoes at. And um, and and the person would, if you, uh, you know, so inclined, you'd go, OK. And then, of course, they'd they'd want you to, to wager a little something on on the fact that they could. And then I, I guess I shouldn't spoil the answer for them. I, you know, I don't want to spoiler alert, but it's you know, it's it's one of those silly um, riddle answers that you, you end up laughing about. And if you honor if you honor the the deal you made with them because they make you shake on it then you then then of course you got to pay up so they've been doing this so she titled her her shoe theme i bet i could tell you where you got your shoes at which was you know if you've been down there and you've heard this it's sort of a a very clever title around a quirky ongoing theme so find a couple themes wherever you are there's something about that city that's unique to that city or unique to your experience there that you can use okay and then the last one is going to be to to download and evaluate daily i remember one of my scouting trips to new orleans i returned home to go through my images and when i did I realized that there were some obvious gaps in my coverage, like things that I just missed because I was so caught up in the moment. I just didn't think about something that became so obvious as I'm looking through the images. You know, it could be like, oh, my God, I only got wide shots here. I should have gone in and done more close ups. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe I didn't. You know, I did such and such because I know better, but I did it anyway. And if I had taken the time in the evenings to see this, I might have had the opportunity to go back out the next day and correct it. This also works if you are, you know, having technical issues with your, with your imaging, with your images, you know, you get back and you look at the images and you find that they're all just a slightly blurry or something like that. Then you can go back and say, okay, I need to fix this today because the very last thing you want to do when you return from a vacation is get home and see that the pictures um, all have some 
issue that was really fixable had you seen it or taken the time to look. So I know a lot of times if you've been shooting from, you know, like we were from sunrise to sunset and beyond, by the at the end of the day, you are just worn out and you just want to crash. But I think there, if you can discipline yourself to just take 30 minutes to or, or more and, you know, really cycle through the images on a big screen, it can be worth your time and it can really save you from coming back and not having anything at all that's usable. So the fifth uh, tip is to download and evaluate daily. So those are my five lessons from New Orleans, but they're good anywhere. These are just five thing, random things that occurred to me as I was thinking about our shoots and what I learned from it. You know, it, it's a fun thing to to do these, and you can do them anywhere. Of course, we do them in New Orleans and uh and if you're interested in that at all, just go to phototourneworleans.com. There's plenty you can learn there. Well, I hope those lessons were helpful for you as you relearned or relearned them. If you have lessons that you have you know, brought back from a recent photography trip of yours, share them with me in the comments. I'd be interested in hearing what you've learned as well. All right, so thank you so much. If you if you if you like what we do, if if you, this was interesting to you, I have a this is part of a a weekly podcast where we go much deeper than this, and we with interviews with experts and uh, lessons and discussions. We talk about all the things you need to be, do, or have to to be a better photographer. So I would invite you to to to. Subscribe at shutterbuglife.com forward slash subscribe or on iTunes. Just go to itunes.shutterbuglife.com and uh, join our community and learn with us. All right. Thank you so much. Have a good uh, rest of the day. Whatever you do, enjoy your Shutterbug Life. Take care.